हेलो एवरीवन एंड वेलकम टू अवंतिका डिजाइनरिंग सीरीज और एडीएस एस वी लाइक टू कॉल इट एवरी वीक ऑन वेडनेसडे वी फीचर डिजाइन एंड टेक्नोलॉजी लीडर्स हु शेयर दर प्रोफेशनल जर्नी दर थॉट्स ऑन दर डोमेन ऑफ वर्क एंड डिजाइनरिंग वेर द वर्ल्ड ऑफ डिजाइन एंड इंजीनियरिंग मीट मेक श्योर यू फॉलोअर्स ऑन सोशल मीडिया इंस्टाग्राम लिंकड इन फेसबुक एंड ट्विटर एंड विद दैट लेट्स कंटिन्यू विद योर शो Every organization should have an actively built culture as it provides the organization with an identity. A culture built on design thinking principles can cultivate efficiency and create an environment of creativity and innovation. It helps us understand human behavior and consumer needs. But how can the cultural designer use design thinking to enhance the efficiency of an organization? to understand the concept of design thinking and the importance of culture in an organization in this episode we interact with parmeshwaran venkatraman chief design officer at fractal analytics he has over two decades of experience in design and leadership roles in various companies like ideo dr reddy's kantar g healthcare and sapient corporation Parmeshwaran holds expertise in interaction design, user experience design, design strategy and he is also been an entrepreneur. And that's why on our journey of discovering designering, we talk to him about unveiling culture design. Hello Param, welcome to Avantika Designering series. Uh we are really excited to host you on our show today. Thank you, Rohit, and uh, thank you for inviting me. And uh, really looking forward to this conversation. It's been uh, pending for a while, so uh, uh, happy that we are able to find the time. Thank you. Super. So to start, um, uh, you know, our conversation and um, starting with an icebreaker, we came across your article regarding how do you become a culture designer. The question that I have for you, Param, is who is a culture designer? and can you elaborate on the same sure uh, the, the interesting thing is i don't even remember this article but uh, i i i i think the idea of a culture designer is uh, for me anyone in the organization right it could be someone who's a ceo it could be someone uh, leading, leading a department it could be someone who's part of the team as well um, it is it is anyone who's contributing to the to the role of uh, to the experience of employees right to the experience of anyone in the team uh, that that i think yeah that that to me sums up the, the nature of the role interesting so so we are mainly talking about how uh, we could have a design a uh, a designer's approach in terms of uh, laying the culture and execution of the culture in an organization so that all the people collectively in the ecosystem can thrive yeah absolutely right i think the idea is that organizations have realized that uh, more than anything else it's not the products it's not the services it's not the business model i mean the business model all these things contribute of course but but i think what is truly differentiating for any company uh, and hard to replicate in other companies is culture um, and so when you know that so the it, it you know most companies have started realizing this and therefore 
there is a <clears throat> there is a conscious attempt to create a culture and curate it one is curating and creating it the other is maintaining it uh, and so it's not easy to maintain it and and you know it, it, that's the that's the part where you need to put in some conscious effort uh, and it's not easy and it can often you know die down it can you know you have to revitalize it you have to keep uh, you know uh, nurturing it uh, and that's why there is uh, there are different roles that people have to play in creating and curating that culture and maintaining it absolutely well said i think uh, culture is an absolutely important and integral part um, of of um, having a great organization out there and um, i believe that everything revolves around it and 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 companies with great culture are definitely uh, successful in fact param moving from the culture aspect and the article that you wrote to your journey now you have been in design and innovation leadership roles across companies like ideo dr reddy's kantar g healthcare and sapient corporation what we would like to know is can you share with us your journey and how meaningful it has been over a period of time sure um i think the journey has been fairly uh, you know organic i i don't think i had any specific uh, plan or uh, you know i mean there were certain in, uh, points in time when there were certain ideas that i had that okay this is the next thing that i'd like to do but uh, but you know for the most part it has been organic and evolving uh, so the journey i think started uh, you know when I, i i studied visual communication for my undergraduate program uh and uh, you know i mean uh, that's where that's where i got the some basic foundations of design and started learning the basic elements of design uh got exposed to a variety of different uh, you know communication sort of medium whether it's uh, graphic design whether it's uh, photography whether it's filmmaking whether it's uh, any of these different uh, worlds and uh, through the end of my uh, undergraduate I, i decided that i wanted to get into interaction design because the internet had just come to india at that time and i i was i was playing around with this medium and uh, the whole idea of human computer interaction was very interesting um and and uh, that that's how this whole thing began um <clears throat> the the uh, you know the those were early days i mean there were there was interaction design as a concept was even even not just in india but around the world it was just emerging this is i'm talking about the mid 90s um and then uh, you know i i i i got my job serendipitously at a at a company in bangalore which was just starting at that time and one of the early pioneers in what was called at that time later internet consulting um, so there were these internet consulting firms that were just starting around uh, that time and uh, i i you know happened to join them them, them as a first uh, designer that they hired uh, as a company called planetation.com in bangalore and uh, you know those are very early days in bangalore and uh, you know those who are familiar with bangalore will know that in 97 bangalore was a pristine little uh, it's almost like a retirement town and uh, you know it's very very small little uh, city and very intimate and uh, the culture there was very interesting and a lot of startups happened at that time as well so uh, anyway uh, from there on uh, i i worked uh, as an interaction designer did a lot of interesting things um you know all all there was nothing no no way to learn from you had to learn it on your own and you know it was it was fairly uh, you know groping in the dark and figuring it out as we went um but yeah it was it was fun 
um uh, one of my one of my early uh, projects that i did at that time which i uh, look back on was we did a project for a for a for a startup based in the bay area um in the us and uh, so me and the software engineer we both flew down there and uh, we worked with the startup for about 4 months in the bay area uh, and uh, these the startup was a bunch of uh, two two basically two graduates from harvard business school who had just graduated and um, and they they got some seed funding and they wanted to uh, put together a working prototype which they could take to uh, you know for for their angel for their investors and uh get the next round of funding so so we it was just the four of us these two co-founders me and this colleague of mine who was a software engineer and uh, you know it was super interesting to work directly with these founders for four months and uh, create a working prototype uh, product uh, which is basically an online e-commerce uh, engine uh, to help with uh, you know consumers with shopping and all that so um anyway so that was 99 <clears throat> way back in the early uh, in the dot com days uh, in the heady dot com days so i saw the bay area in you know in its in its full uh, you know energy and gusto <clears throat> for the uh, for the dot com time uh, anyway um long story short let me let me kind of cut from there to uh, from there on my journey went on to uh, discovering companies like ideo and human centered design and design thinking in the early 2000s and i i got fascinated with that i remember even reading a blog uh, by uh, yan chipchase who was who was one of the early uh, who, who was actually like a celebrity design ethnographer um, or design researcher or whatever you want to call it <clears throat> and uh, i i i found that whole idea of you know understanding how people behave and understanding how you know human behavior is a foundation to design and i think that whole sort of idea was fascinating and i felt that that is that is calling me and and this whole uh, uh so so that's when that's when i decided to sort of get into design ethnography and and the more sort of broader realm of human centered design uh, and uh, you know unfortunately again there was not many places to study all this formally at that time and uh, not <clears throat> not too many people who could teach me this stuff as well unfortunately but uh you know i had to figure it out on my own and uh, yeah so anyway i i i start you know learned tried a lot of things on my own you know tried whatever i could in the the work that i did <clears throat> excuse me um and so i was working finally i was working at ge healthcare uh where i was part of a team that was looking at products and service uh, products and technologies you know 5 to 10 years out um in the in the healthcare domain and uh, um <clears throat> and that's when you know i i had i spent a lot of time in hospitals and medical environments trying to understand how do doctors and nurses behave and what do they do in their in their hospitals and how does software and technology help them and uh, uh, that is that is kind of uh, i i that i i really got convinced that this this approach to design was um, or or for that matter innovation was the right approach uh, being very human centered being grounded in end users needs and you know looking at that sort of idea um from there on i um i started my own company in bangalore um i was very young and i was quite naive i think uh, looking back in hindsight uh, i was quite uh, i had this audacious sort of idea that i wanted to start like an ido kind of firm in india um because i felt that india needed design thinking and design centered innovation and you know uh and there was nothing in that time idea of of course i had not it started in india and uh, i i felt that i wanted to start something like that and 
um, as I said, I was quite young and naive, and uh, it was a, a two-year journey. And I, you know, uh, I, I would say I, I call myself a been there, didn't do that entrepreneur um, because I, I gloriously failed. Um, but I had a lot of uh, learnings in that process, and you know, uh, uh, did some interesting stuff. But yeah, it was a business failure to to put it mildly. Um, and after that, I came back to a job which I realized I'm actually much better as a as an entre- entrepreneur inside a company rather than a uh, entrepreneur on my own. Um, anyway, uh, so I think the the vision that I had with starting my own company, I, I realized that I was able to fulfill that much better. Uh, when I moved on to Cantor, uh, Cantor is of course a large uh, group of companies within WPP, and IMRB is one of the largest market research firms within Cantor. Uh, so I started in uh, a design thinking practice for IMRB in 2009, uh, and uh, you know uh, uh, got a great opportunity to set that up from scratch. And uh, you know, I, it was essentially I was able to do what I wanted to do with my own company, but I was able to get paid for it. And, uh, you know, of course, I had uh, I had fantastic access to big companies and clients that uh, Kantar and IMRB had. So whether it was Pepsi or uh, in India, large companies like Godrej and ITC and um, so on. So, um, so yeah, I ran that for about four, four, four years or so. Uh, and I was having a lot of fun. Um, did a lot of work in the area of product innovation, new business, uh, new opportunities, looking at consumer needs five to ten years from now. Uh, you know, companies like Intel and so on. So uh, Alcatel, these are all companies that we worked with. And uh, uh, I was having a lot of fun. And then out of the blue, I, I, I got this call from IDEO. <clears throat> and uh, IDEO had just started in India a little before that time. And uh, they were looking to expand the leadership team. And uh, uh, I was reached, uh, you know, they reached out to me and uh, I started talking. And of course, IDEO was a dream job for me from the early 2000s. and uh, it was hard to turn that down, and so uh, you know I came on board in IDEO and uh, uh, in, in in 2013, and uh, um, we were looking to expand the India office at that time, and uh, you know establish the India studio. Uh, and uh, Doctor Reddy's was one of the first clients that I got to work with, um, and you know the 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 journey with Doctor Reddy's was interesting. That uh, uh, with IDEO and Doctor Reddy's. Uh, IDEO started working with Dr. Reddy's to help them uh, right from the right from the first project. The, the whole idea was to help them look at um, what is the reason for the organization's existence, uh, redefining the organization's purpose, organization purpose, and and uh, that was a very pivotal project which uh, laid the foundation for a long journey of transformation. And uh, uh, the the culmination of that project was. Uh, helping them uh, restate their purpose, um, and that was articulated as "Good health can't wait." Um, and you know that that started a whole journey of saying, "Okay, how do we now live good health can't wait?" Through uh, various touch points in the organizations in in the organization, and uh, you know how do you how do you make that tangible for consumers, for patients, for uh, for employees, for partners, and so on. Um, and so that was a long journey of uh, taking design into every different part of the organization uh, through the design thinking process. And uh, so during my time at IDEO, I, I spent a lot of time working with Dr. Reddy's and uh, and both the organi- Dr. Reddy's and I got a sense of how this might work. Uh, incidentally, about a year and a half after that, Dr. Uh, IDEO decided to wind down in India and, and uh, 
you know of course i i, I had an offer to move to the uh, bay area to ideo uh, they were setting up a new studio at that time uh, around change tran- transformation uh, of organizations and um, you know i had the the good fortune to be offered to join uh, there but uh, at the same time the ceo of dr reddy's reached out and said that he wanted to start an innovation lab within the company and uh, wanted someone like me to uh, spearhead that so uh, i i took the latter and uh, stayed back in india and uh, uh, you know continued that uh, set up that from scratch um, we eventually ended up calling it studio 5b um and uh, you know i i yeah so we started that from scratch into 2014 uh in um, to begin with in hyderabad and then uh, a little bit later after that in bombay um set up a studio and uh, you know ran that for 5 years um and uh, did a lot of interesting work in the area of healthcare and patient centricity and uh, and also in in helping dr reddy's uh, a large 2 billion dollar company 35 40 years old helping them reinvent themselves and trying to look at new business models new opportunities outside the core um and then uh in 2019 i moved to fractal where i am currently working uh and here my mandate is to lead the uh, design team where we are looking at uh, how does the intersection of design behavioral sciences data science ai and all this come together and uh, uh, so that that's part of my mandate now and uh, uh, you know it's it's interesting looking at how does design get reinvented in a post ai world um, so that's that's the long <laughs> long story uh, rohit to answer your question hey did you know founded in the year 2000 fractal analytics is a strategic analytics partner to the most admired fortune 500 companies globally and helps them power every human decision in the enterprise fractal has more than 1200 consultants spread across 15 global locations including the united states united kingdom and india wow all of this sounds really very exciting param and i'm sure that um, it's been um, meaningful all uh, the way long in fact uh, while you spoke about fractal congratulations on fractal being rated in the top 100 best working places for women in 2020 what we would love to know uh, param from you is how does a working day in fractal analytics looks like especially from a designer's perspective you know, i think the work that we're doing here in fractal we, are, we the team is about uh, you know we have a design team of about 30 35 people now we have people who are spread across different skills and specializations from user research to behavioral science to uh, information design interaction design uh, ux design and so on and uh, the work that we're doing is is essentially uh, focused on bringing design into the into the world of analytics and artificial intelligence uh, and what it looks like on the ground is you know working with large clients in, most of the clients in fractal for fractal are uh, based in the us or some in uk or in australia and uh, so these are fortune 500 or fortune 100 companies uh, fairly large sort of transformative questions around how do you bring ai and analytics into the organization uh, so for example um working with a large consumer goods company in europe uh looking at how does how does uh, analytics or big data help in uh, ai help in 
transforming the way they manage their warehouses across Europe in all their warehouses. Um, and so, uh, you know, how can how can they start making better decisions uh, inside the warehouse and manage the inventory and manage the supply chain and make it a lot more efficient and 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 of course uh, become faster and become more agile in the process, right? So. So I think the average day is, you know, uh, uh, there's a there's a bunch of, you know, uh, it could be if, if the project is in the early stages of of setting up, then it could look like, uh, you know, helping in planning research and understanding the uh, the end users and unmet needs and doing a lot of what we call discovery uh, and exploratory research around uh, understanding the end users and how they go about what they're doing today, um, understanding their context and behaviors. Um, so that that there there could be a lot of that kind of work. Um, uh, if the project is more downstream uh, in the process, then it could look like, you know, translating those uh, behavioral insights and you know once you've identified some interesting unmet needs or or the the underlying reasons why people are doing what they're doing, in in you know from from a behavioral science standpoint, you know, getting to the explainability of what people are doing and why they're doing it, um, then. You know, translating that into a, a solution design, right? Whether it's so reimagining how the the customer or the end users would uh, use AI and how would how would that reimagine their business uh, or their workflows and their processes, um, and and you know, uh, prototyping that and and you know, iterating that and testing that. So uh, it could look like any of these things. I think that's that's the core part of the work. And of course, there's a lot of other things like. You know, a lot of our time also goes into trying to think about how do we evangelize the role of design in the organization, because uh, uh, you know, setting up a design behavioral science design competency in in an analytics AI organization is is not uh, is not a is not something that's been done too many times before. So we we are really uh, exploring that and uh, discovering that as we speak, and uh, and so there's a lot of inquiry within the organization and trying to think about how do we democratize design across the company so that uh, you know when design is required you don't have to necessarily come to a department like us um, and so how do you spread that across the organization i think the mindset that the, i mean the whole idea that approach that we're taking here is design is not a department it's a mindset uh, as as someone i don't i don't remember who said this but uh, i this this statement is stuck in my head and uh, i thought it's very relevant to what we're trying to do here well wow, sounds really exciting uh, param especially um, in the last couple of years uh, we've heard about fractal growing uh, we we've uh, seen um, the usage and impact of ai um, at workplaces and at the same time uh, the entire design lens um, and and the focus which is um, very systematically growing in in india so this sounds really very exciting and cool um, if i would uh use the word uh sounds really really interesting so moving from fractal uh to the world of design param design is transforming the way leading companies uh, to create value and great design has that wow factor that makes products more desirable and appealing to users my question is how could design thinking be used at the core of effective strategy development to create advances in both innovation and efficiency yeah i think that question uh, I, i don't think there's one single answer to that question but uh, i think what i have learned over time is that design or design thinking is uh, at the heart of it it's about empathy and creativity 
um, you know, if you think about these two qualities of of uh, unique qualities of design thinking, uh, how do you apply this to any problem that is being solved in a company, right? So uh, you can apply that to a problem uh, which could be around, you know, why is my business stagnating in certain in certain part of my business and some products and some categories are stagnating and how do you revitalize that you could apply it from that perspective and you know use empathy and creativity to solve that problem or you could apply it to a question which is much broader around you know where does my organization go in terms of a completely new business or a new opportunity beyond what i do today right and and that that could be it could be applied in that context or it could be applied in the context of uh, you know how do you how do you help the organization uh, connect with its employees better <clears throat> and and how do you build a, a, a unique and a sustainable culture um, and so I, or or for that matter how do you rethink performance management in in the organization with employees and so on so uh, i think at the heart of it like i said it's it's about empathy and creativity i think that's that's the fundamental principles which are unique and uh, which really bring the value of design that's an interesting perspective in fact um, you know while solving a problem param it is essential to get the high level flow of design establishing a skeleton around which we can build our design what what i'm curious about param here is how can designers build a bridge between the research phase and the design phase something that you also mentioned in your experience that you you've done both of these things so so how do you bridge that gap look to my mind i think uh, like you said there are there i've done both of these things i don't see them see them as both as two separate things uh, to me design uh, uh, as it should be practiced uh, should start start from understanding human behavior right um, and so that's the foundation and then from there uh, you know framing reframing the problem and reframing how you think about that problem that you're trying to solve uh, by by now having understood that human behavior and understanding why people are doing what they're doing and what do they need actually underlying that uh, and and that automatically becomes the the bridge to solution design right um, so to my mind these are yes they are distinct elements of the design process but uh, but but they are one seamless uh, it's a, it's a seamless journey um, as i see it and uh, um so so i think the way to bridge it is uh, look i think a lot of it depends on the process if you set up a process where you institutionalize design and the design process uh, you know so that it follows these distinct steps you know right from the beginning whether it's about framing the problem then empathy then understanding why people are doing what they're doing and the behavior and you know codifying those behaviors and translating that into insights and uh, and 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 getting to the why and then reframing and then you know identifying opportunities and ideas and new new ways of solving that problem and then prototyping and so on right i mean it's it's a classic design thinking process but but if you dis, you know establish that process uh, and 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 then the the second part is uh, set up the team in the right way right if you have people who are specializing in each of these different aspects that you need in solving that problem you need to have a a person who's focusing on you know user research or 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 behavioral science or design research uh, you need to have a person with certain amount of business design skills you need to have a, someone who has the right uh, skills in let's say interaction design or uh, you know uh, allied sort of uh, subjects 
um, or you need to have people with industrial design skills. So it depends on what the problem that you're trying to solve is. But uh, the, the team constitution changes based on that. But but at the heart of it, it's about having people with two or three different skills that are relevant to that project and uh, and to the process, and then being able to establish that and then work through that. All these three, four people at the core need to be there from end to end, from the beginning to the end. It's not it's not like a researcher does research and then translates it and and throws it over a wall to a designer and then the designer designs in vacuum. It's, it's not, it doesn't work like that. Uh, every person needs to be there from the beginning and pretty much till the end. And then you're going through the entire design process through that uh, experience of this core team. That's interesting. In fact, uh, uh, Param, I'll take a cue from something that you mentioned earlier also. And for any business to be successful, obviously, uh, it has to understand its customer. They are wants, needs, pain points, interests, and more. One way to do this is by crafting buyer personas. My question to you is, could you explain how buyer personas impact a brand and marketing strategy? Look, I think the the idea of personas, first of all, is not, uh, you know, it, there are many different interpretations of that concept of personas. This friend of mine is quite uh, he's quite a very well-read and uh, well-written uh, design uh, you know practitioner by name Steve Portugal, uh, based in the Bay Area. Um, he he wrote this or made this presentation a while back. This is probably ten years back. I'm I'm not sure, but uh, his presentation was titled "Personas Are User-Centered Bullshit," um, and and I found that quite interesting because over time what has happened is. Uh, this concept of personas has become quite, uh, uh, you know, abused in the design community, uh, and people have started using um, what they what they've started doing is they've started putting, you know, uh, hypothetical characters and you know names to some persona and you know imagining some thing that you know John does this and then he does that and Mary does this and Mary does that or whatever and you know uh, creating these fictional stories. Um, that's not how personas should work, right? Hopefully, that's not how anyone should be uh, is practicing design. Uh, for me, personas are nothing but uh, real stories. Uh, they are, you know, people whom you real people whom you meet, and and uh, real consumers or end users of whatever it is that you're trying to solve, and uh, really bringing out their stories alive uh, through real actual stories, not not fabricated or hypothetical stories. Um, that that really is what to me is uh, the the most important part of a persona. The second part is of course you know how do you abstract that uh, the stories you know and and uh, segment them or you know uh, rather abstract them in such a way that you see patterns right. Um, and and so how do you how do you get to that level of abstraction in a way that you can start seeing some patterns emerge in how people behave. Um, so, so that's the second part of it. But to me, the most important part is how do you get to those stories of what real people are doing in their, in their current scenario and what are their, uh, what's the journey they're going through and really bringing that alive through, uh, through, uh, real life stories. Hey, did you know Fractal has consistently been rated as India's best company to work for by the great places to work Institute? Fractal has also been featured as a leader in the Customer Analytics Service Providers Wave 2019 by Forrester Research and recognized as an honorable vendor in the Magic Quadrant 
for data and analytics by gartner so my next one to you param is usability is one of the most critical factors in the success of a website but it often goes overlooked it hurts your brand and it hurts your bottom line as well 100% of the time the question that i have is what does the future of usability look like and how can companies improve the usability of their websites yeah, so i think uh, i mean no 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 doubts about the fact that usability is uh, is you know it, it impacts especially if you've done a bad job right um and and it can hurt your business so on and on the positive of course if you do if you do a great job of usability uh, or rather if you do a great job of 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 your product or service design then the usability as an outcome is is obviously going to be much better and therefore will improve your business uh so there's no questions about that i think the way to think about it is you know 10 15 20 years back uh in the design world this was thought of as uh you know a special thing called usability testing and you know usability uh, you know process and all of that uh, which was you know given a lot of importance and it was important but i think it was done in the wrong way in way back at that time i think um, there was this notion that you would do these usability testing labs and things like that um, and i'm talking like you know 15 years back or 10 10 years back at least Uh, and and some people are still doing that and i i don't personally conform to that idea because uh, for me the usability uh, you know experience is the usability is an outcome of of the design process if you've done a bad job of understanding unmet needs and and, and you know you know identifying the right pain points uh, or or you know not done a good job of you know this the actual solution design thinking about the entire end to end experience of the product or service that you're creating then the usability will be you know uh, uh, substandard um there's no point testing it uh, at the fag end of it if you've not focused on the processes before that <clears throat> so um i think uh, to my mind uh, so that's one sort of ideological uh, perspective i have the other thing is that you know doing uh, these uh, testing scenarios in a controlled environment in a lab is also something that i am not uh, i i have done that in the past way back maybe you know 10 15 years back but uh, but i feel that, that that doesn't really have much merit because what really helps is in context in situ uh, or sort of real world uh, testing and so uh, the closer you can get to putting your product or service or idea or whatever it is that you're testing into the hands of real users in the real environment the better inputs you are likely to get in terms of what works what doesn't um and so that's that's ideally how i think people should test and explore and iterate what what they are building interesting in fact uh, that's that's quite a beautiful perspective in terms of how we could go out and uh, check the usability aspect in fact but moving from there to the world of technology and at a panel discussion of people matter tech hr 2019 you mentioned technology needs to be delightful if it's not delightful it will not be used how do you ensure that technology is delightful uh look i think you know the the world that we are living in now is such that technology has become uh, as you know as as pervasive as one uh, probably more pervasive than you would like but uh, and th- that's going to be the reality of uh, the world and it will continue that way if not it's only going to get more and more i i think what everyone has begun to realize or has already realized i think is that 
you can't differentiate just the technology part anymore right technology itself will become commoditized sooner than later uh, what becomes what is in what is a wow something in the beginning like let's say drones for example uh, drones were you know a technological marvel some time back uh, and but now the concept of drones has become uh, fairly commoditized and you know you can literally buy a drone off uh, amazon or whatever right and and you can you know uh, get it across and use it in different contexts so that is for photography or something else so uh, the point i'm making is therefore where the differentiation is is in is in the consumer delight or or in the end user delight how do you think about applying that technology to a context and solving i mean you know solving uh, coming up with a, a differentiation at a consumer need level that that's really what will differentiate uh, and therefore help you stand out uh, and therefore the technology is great um, but you can't it's not sufficient it's it's going to get commoditized sooner rather than later and therefore to differentiate you will really think of it from a end user perspective or a delight perspective ultimately why people will use it and will continue to use it is when it's delightful um that so that was the whole idea that's exciting in fact while we talk about the world of technology uh, param artificial intelligence has become a very long way in short period in fact ai is now capable of automating tasks associated with both explicit knowledge that can be input as a number and words and tacit human knowledge in many cases newer forms of ai can perform such tasks more accurately than humans the question that i have for you param is how can human centered design make ai effective there are two three ways of thinking about how design can play a dif- make a difference in in the world of ai uh, one is uh, really looking at the again it goes back to the basic principles right it's about really looking at a problem from a human dimension perspective right um, and and let me give an example in the context of ai right so let's say let's say it's a you know it could be something as simple as a a vacuum cleaner that is automated right a, a robot uh, that is going around the house and is you know is is uh, uh, vacuuming the, the 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 house now in the in the old world uh, pre pre robot stage uh the way we would use a vacuum cleaner is you know by our own hands and sort of go around manually doing it uh there is feedback that you get in that process right you're looking at you're actually looking at uh, you're using the device on your own and you're getting physical tactical visual feedback uh that that the house is being cleaned and you know you you you're, you're in, involved in the process but if the robot is going around the house and uh vacuuming the place on its own what is the feedback that as a user that i'm getting uh is something that i need to think about as a as a creator of that of that product or whatever right so uh, so that's an example a small example but it's an example of how the role of design comes into ai which is you know are you thinking about the human dimension of it you know while the while the ai is of course going to help you in you know automating that process and simplifying it and you know making it uh, uh, machine driven uh, but there is a but you have to think about how does the user want the feedback to come back to her or him and um, and and i think that's one small role right so that's one small example the other examples could be in thinking about the ethics of of ai right it's about uh, i mean which is of course a whole big you know different topic and there are people who specialize in that but but i think where design can help there is again thinking about uh, 
the uh, the needs of people and you know how do you sort of uh, create some level of fairness and equality and a certain um, uh, you know re- removing some of the biases uh, that could exist in the AI right so uh, uh, so when you when you're thinking about not the technology but the end user or or people who are going to be coming in contact with it uh, then how does that work right so so that that's I mean in the same example of the robot that I was talking about. Uh, you know, uh, are there any biases that could be coming in in the way that the product is going to be used? Uh, and so uh, those are some things that we can think about and, you know, the design process can really help in de-biasing and uh, get into some of those core elements of ethics. Um, the other is, of course, the the the, the uh, simplification of the, of the way the product is experienced, right? Uh, while the technology can, the feature can be there, but how do you use that feature and how do you make it more simple and delightful is, is really where uh, design can come in. So, for example, in the, again, the robot example, the, the vacuum uh, robot example, um, it, it could be that, you know, can the machine learn that the, the, that, the, that the house needs to be vacuumed, you know, every few days in, in, in a particular pattern, right? What if, you, what if you have to vacuum it? What if you have to clean the house every three, every second day? It, then that makes it more efficient and it's faster to clean the house every every time after that. Um, and if that if that sort of message can be given to the user and the user suddenly you know uh, he or she didn't even know that if I if the house were vacuumed every second day as opposed to every fourth day, then it's it's better and that improves the you know uh, 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 the the outcomes. You know the, those are small things, right? I mean. The person, the human being doesn't realize these things, but the machine can learn it, can sort of, all, you know, proactively suggest or nudge the user into that. And I mean, that's just an example, but the point is how do you delight the, the user and, and consumer in solving needs that they didn't realize that they had? Um, so, the, so I think that there's great opportunity there. I mean, in so many ways in, in the way that design and AI could come together. That's quite well expressed, Param. And that brings us to our last question. At Avantika University, we've coined the term designering, which is the blended approach of design and engineering. And we see huge possibilities in the collaboration between these two fields. The question that I have for you is, do you find it relevant and how is designering helping you in your journey? Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely relevant. And uh, I would say it's it's pretty much... Uh... Uh, table stakes. Uh, it is. It is something that everyone should be uh, thinking about. And in, you know, coincidentally, at Fractal, we have something similar, which is uh, the whole idea of design, AI, design, and engineering coming together. Uh, that that is going to be the uh, uh, the secret sauce for people to transform the way people the, the way problems are solved as the, as we go forward into the world. So. Um, so I, I think it definitely resonates. Um, and I think from a design standpoint, why it's relevant is because, you know, as, as someone, uh, I think uh, the CEO of, of IBM or someone else way back, this is, I'm talking 20, 30, 40 years back, uh, this said this, that design is too important to be left to designers. Um, and so I think the world of design, engineering, AI, uh, business, all these worlds are are coming together, and it's not enough if you're thinking only about design. You have to think about how does design come together with engineering or with AI or with business, um, and only then can you then can you create real impact. Thank you, Param. This was really exciting conversation. It was a pleasure hosting you on our show, and I'm sure that our listeners are going to have a lot of learning from this conversation. 
Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Rohit, and thank you to the Avantika team for inviting me and uh, look forward to being in touch. Thank you. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate avantika.edu.in. We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hubhopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you.